Empowered people make informed decisions that lead to living a life without regret. This is Sarah Kaki and Shauna Woods from Atlanta Divorce Law Group, and this is the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. Welcome to the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. This is Sarah Kaki with Atlanta Divorce Law Group, and I'm joined by our very own managing partner, Shauna Woods. And this episode, we will discuss the 10-year itch, not the seven-year itch, but the 10-year itch. And why the 10-year? Well, really for no other reason, and that's the pattern we've identified here at Atlanta Divorce Law Group, speaking to thousands of clients and people who are either going through divorce or contemplating divorce, or even really people in our lives, Shauna, right? Right. 10 seems to be the number. I don't have, I'm sure you do, but I don't. I don't have any statistics on it. I don't have any data point other than this is the number that I keep hearing and seeing show up is something happens around that 10-year mark of marriage where it becomes a bit of a, a, a make it or break it. It does. And what I was reading and the statistics that I was looking at is very interesting. Of divorces, of the people who are going to have the divorces, the highest percentage 31% are done between 10 and 19 years. And that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, they did mark, it was a five to nine year was a 23%. And then the 10 to not, uh, 19 years was a 31%. And it's the largest percentage of those people who are going through divorce. But a couple of the other studies that I was looking at were interesting to me because in particularly they were studying women mm. and showing that women have the highest level of dissatisfaction or report the highest level of dissatisfaction in their marriage around this 10-year mark. Men are not necessarily showing up in the same way. So it begs the question, what is it about this 10-year mark that women are struggling with? That's so fascinating. So I'm going to give you my thoughts, mainly based on talking to so many clients and people who have contemplated divorce. Also, a little bit of a studying I've personally done on men versus women. I've done dug deep into the topic. So some, somebody I've mentioned numerous times, which is Alison Armstrong, and she has lessons and courses you could take on understanding men and understanding women. From what I understand, when women are done, they're done. When something finally snaps in their head, it's over. It's very hard to undo that. Men, actually, this is got, surprises a lot of people, have a higher need for that continuous commitment. It doesn't mean they don't walk out on the marriage. doesn't mean that they don't have extramarital relationships, but the actual commitment to their person is a much stronger one where they will last in an unhappy marriage and kind of you know, soak their shoulders and put their head down and say, it, it is what it is and deal with it. And how many times have we seen either a female client that comes in and says, I'm done. He, he knows it too. He knows the writings on the wall. He knows it's done too, but he won't admit it. And he won't participate in discussing divorce with me. And I'm the one that has to do it. We see that a lot, especially at this 10 year mark, or we see Sweet man who comes in and says she filed for divorce. I am begging her to not go. I am begging to stop this. I will do anything. I love my wife. I don't want this to be over. And he is completely lost over what happened. Yeah. And he can't and pinpoint it again. This is a 10 year mark I see. And you're right because now that it, like you're mentioning it, 
It all goes down to usually the woman standing up and saying, I'm done. And starts there. It does. At that 10-year mark. Yes. Yes. And then we have to look, well, what happened in those 10 years prior that got her to be the quote-unquote done, right? And again, I don't like to genderize, and I think we both have masculine and and female energy, all of us do. Sure. But when we talk about over, you know, kind of looking at these statistics and these, you know, overreaching, overall reaching aspects to this divorce – what most of the time that you're seeing is the women are carrying the emotional weight of the relationship. They're doing all the emotional work in the relationship. Anything that needs to be discussed, they're the ones bringing it up. Anything that needs to be worked through, they're the ones, mm-hmm. you know, pushing it to be worked through. And a lot of times you'll hear what we hear all the time. I tried to get him to go to therapy. We went to marital counseling. It didn't work. He wasn't willing to do counseling on his own. And I'm not man blaming or man bashing because we do see the flip side too, don't get me wrong. But the vast majority of times we're talking about women who walk in and we know when they're done. Yes. There is absolutely There's nothing can, that can be done about it. <laughs> There's very little crying at that point. Right. They are down to the business of how do we make this relationship end so that I can get on and fast life. and fast. And because they have done for the vast majority of that time that really hard emotional work and they haven't gotten a response. They haven't gotten any input or feedback to help them to think this is going to get better in the next 10 years. Right. But I do think there are other reasons that kind of feed into this particular mark. Why 10 years? Right. So let's break that down, for instance. And you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the women have done a lot of the emotional caring and- Reason for that is women, the feminine energy, the feminine characteristics is a lot more adaptable. Yeah. It, it turns itself into a, um, bends and breaks in all 50 different a- angles and shapes to adapt. The uh, masculine characteristic is a lot more single focused. I need to get this family through A through Z. And unless you grab that masculine focus with a very clear and literal sign, that we are in danger, we need maintenance, we need help. All of the feminine ways of showing it indirectly are not clear and literal enough for that masculine energy that's looking to get the family from A to Z. Yeah, They are single focused on this is the journey, I'm t- this is where I'm taking this family and I'm going to put all my efforts on that. And I'm pretty clear that when we got married, we had this understanding that this is the part she was going to play. And this is the part I'm going to play. And this is the plan. This is the plan. Right. And sometimes the masculine is not that great on expressing the plan to the feminine. And the feminine feels like they're just absorbing a lot and becoming a punching bag to a lot without completely having a straight, a clear idea of where are we headed? Why Why do you need more? Why are you just trying to make more money? What is this just about money? They don't get it. But also... So this is really just two people having a hard time speaking each other's language. And that's why a 10-year mark can you either make it or you break it. The feminine is not good enough, good about being literal in their communication, right? So it's never, honey, our marriage is in trouble. I am starting to lose affection. I am starting to lose hope in us. I need us 
to do, to go on a date. I need us to go on a trip together. If you ask a woman, how did you communicate your dissatisfaction? I am telling you, they will never, most of the time, not all women, not all women, most of the time have not been that direct and literal to wave that red flag before their spouse. I agree. And I do think a lot of it comes from, well, he should have known is what I hear. Yes. He should have known from the way I was acting. He should have, he should have been feeling this too and not expressing the desires of where you saw your marriage going. And I don't think people have enough of that conversation in the very beginning either. Where do you see our marriage in 20 years? Where do you see our marriage in 30 years? What are our mutual goals? And I'm not just talking like you said about money, right? If your goal is to make money, go out, become a workaholic, make as much money as you possibly can. If your goal is to have a happy family life, you're going to have to figure out what else to do besides making money. And it's so funny because you read all the articles out there or the books about signs of things that make a marriage fall apart. And they'll say it's oh, because a lack of money is an issue or there's not enough intimacy or they're not dating each other enough or they're not being kind enough to each other. I think all of it, Shauna, really comes down to one thing and all this stuff is a symptom. And what it is, it's vision building together as a couple. We've had this conversation before when we talked about treating a marriage as an organization, treating a family as an organization. An organization without a purpose, without a mission, without a vision of where we headed, it's going to go through the good times and then run out right? Absolutely. And it's going to lose itself. I agree with you completely. And I think that that's part of the, well, probably is the issue is both of you don't are not on the same page about what 10 years looks like. And 10 years is usually a big mark for most of us, right? We hit another 10 year birthday. We hit a 10 year anniversary. It's a mark to look back and say, where were we? Where are we going? Is this where I want to be? For the rest of my life. Well, here's what happens. You're in the South, which we are. Most people are getting married pretty young, right? They're getting married right out of college. If you're further up North, they're waiting to build their career a little bit before they get married. And again, stereotyping, but this is for the most part what happens. Accurate. When you first get married, there is a vision. The vision is we will build our careers, whether both of us are building our careers or one of us is building and the other one is supporting the family. We will make enough to get to a point where we can afford our own house. And then we will be able to have children. And some people's vision is you'll be able to quit your job so you can take care of the children. Some other people's vision is, you know, we will have enough money so we can put the kids, all kids in daycare or get a nanny, whatever. That's a personal decision. That is the initial vision usually. And it's more or less unspoken because it's such a hint. It's like a vision that society has kind of given every young couple uh, in, in American culture. It's the, it's the American version of the American dream. I call it the American version of the American dream because immigrants, we have a different American dream. <laughs> we can have a different episode on the immigrant American dream version. But I think to natural born American citizens, this is part of the American dream. We both go to college, you find your sweetheart in college, you get married, and then our American society has handed that young couple, here's the vision for your marriage. Now, 
what happens is somewhere around sort of the economics of our society right now, the socioeconomic factors today, somewhere around year five to seven, they're able to achieve a lot of that, right? Right. But from the year seven to 10, a new vision has not been adopted. So this is where drifting happens. This is where each, instead of those first, you know, years, it was exciting. It was building family together. It was getting a new home. It was decorating that new home. Oh my gosh, we get to like landscape the backyard into our like dream backyard, having kids together, all like new and exciting things. And it's like pieces of the puzzle are coming together. Somewhere along the line, when you were close enough to hitting the goal, a new conversation wasn't had of like, okay, where are we going next? And it doesn't have to be anything huge, but just a meeting of the minds of, like you said, what do you think the next five to 10 years looks for you? And what do you think it looks for me? What would it look like as a couple? Now, so if you don't have that, then by default, each person starts acting independently and unilaterally trying to find their own, what's my point? What's my purpose? Because otherwise you feel like you're in a hamster or a hamster wheel, right? Absolutely. And, you know, if he's forward on a career, right? And that could be one of the marks. Right. It's like, okay, do I go back to to work? Do I do hobbies? You know, my kids are now in at an age where they don't need me all the time. All of these things, I think, play into it. But the stagnation, I think, is what kills deadly. kills marriages more than anything else. It is sheer boredom. You've gotten to the place where nothing excites the two of you together I mean, without each other. When you're growing or you're dying concept. Absolutely. And things become boring. You talk about the same things. You don't experience new things. It takes an effort to make it work. You don't just to get to go, Oh, we've been married 10 years. Everything's going right. to be happily ever after from here on out. Even if it is just developing one night a week, you know, that is to the two of you, something new, something exciting, something you haven't tried before, anything to keep that spark going. But to your point, really sitting down and say, what's our next adventure? Right. I don't mean it could be traveling, but that's not what I mean. Right. Our next adventure is where am I going in my career? We're going to help me get there. Where are you going in your career? We're going to help you. Or what get do we there. want for the kids for the next five to 10 years? What do years? we want for the kids for the next what five to 10 years? What do we want for years? our aging parents for the next five to 10 years that we as a family can provide? What kind of retirement do we want to landscape out for ourselves? Right. What is it our goals? Let's having those goals and working to accomplish that is what makes marriages work. Yes. Yes, it's just like an organization. Absolutely. An organization without goals, without a vision. Now, what I think is interesting, why again, going back to the masculine versus feminine characteristics is I tend to believe that somewhere along the line, the man in the marriage, probably around year seven or so, did adopt a new plan and never verbalized it to the wife. And so once they got close enough where he was like, okay, like I've, I made it. I got my hunt. The hunt is complete. The house is here. The children are here. We have a little bit of money in the bank account for savings. 
he starts putting his eyes on the next hunt. And then that, that next hunt, which we commonly hear is like, I want to have a sizable savings account. I want to pay off the house and we can start traveling the world together. Or I want to be able to, you know, retire early, or I want to buy a vacation home somewhere that we can take the kids and then grow or take, see our grandchildren grow there or the grandparents over there. He has another hunt. The big mistake he makes is he doesn't get her buy-in. He doesn't bring her into it. And he doesn't partner up with her and say, honey, like this is the vision I have. What do you think? And then let her sparkle some of her magic and her thoughts into it as well. And now it's joint. Yeah. And she feels like, okay, the next five years, this is where why I'm bending and adapting and taking care of this emotional this emotional baggage for because she was fine doing it before because she saw the vision she saw the point but once it was there now she's like what are we doing are you are you just trying to make more money are you just money hungry Uh are you what are you saving for are you getting away from the family do you not want to spend time with us yes right um so we hear all of these things and those are the symptoms of this underlying issue and i love what you said her buy-in or his buy-in right right because you don't want to just be like Here's the vision. Jump on board. It is a a collaboration. And you married this person for a reason. You know, take the fact of the romance and, you know, the giddy feelings, that new relationship energy that everybody gets the boost from. Take all of that out. You married this person for a core value. There's something they uniquely provide that you wanted. And you wanted, and you wanted that in a partnership. So you need to be able to look at that person and say, are we still in a partnership? Yes. And we're not roommates. We're not ships in the night that are doing our own thing. We're in this together. How do we build this together? I think the word roommates is exactly where the 10-year itch hits the hardest. It does. Thank you, Shona. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, go to atlantadivorcelawgroup.com forward slash resources. 